inflatable arm flailing tube man. Wacky waving inflatable arm flailing tube man. Wacky waving inflatable arm flailing tube man. Tube man. Tube man. Tube man. Ladies and gentlemen, this is it's all good, man. The better, better call us all podcast. My name is Brian, and with me, as always, is a man who needs no introduction. And we also host a nothing important podcast. You can find that at www.nothingimportantpodcast.com, where we talk to people more famous than we will ever be. But today we're talking about Better Call Saul episode 207. Guy, how's it going? I'm doing pretty good, Brian. Uh, you might be wondering why Dave and I are a little silly tonight, you know, because here, here's the thing. We have been trying to like record for the past five days, but life just kind of got in our way. Right, Dave? Yeah, we're a little slap happy. I yeah. Think, this so evening. What, what's funny about this is right now, as we record this, everybody's watching the actual episode, but Dave and I are watching each other on FaceTime recording a podcast about the episode you guys are watching at this moment. So we open up with a young Jimmy McGill. He's supposed to be sweeping the floor of his father's shop. He's hanging out uh, on the aisle reading Playboy, which is nice. Nice touch. I don't even think, well, Playboy's not even really around anymore, are they? They're like trying to sell it, right? They're still around. I believe uh, they have, they uh, they still have an online presence. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, remember that girl from Spring Break? That was a Cyber Month girl. No, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like like that, that's an achievement. <laughs> uh, he overhears a guy talking to his dad, who's uh, basically begging him for five bucks. And little yeah. Jimmy tells his dad it's just a ripoff, and uh, just like the bum from last week. That's right. I like how he put the, the he put the Playboy behind the Boys Life magazine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. I was yeah. a subscriber to Boys Life growing up. <laughs> that's the Boy Scout <laughs> magazine, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, one one thing that kind of struck me about this whole scene is like living in Chicago. I get people coming up to me all the time with the whole like scam, like, "Oh, my car, my car just needs five dollars in gas because I drove here from like Iowa <laughs> and I can't get back home." <laughs> you know, I get hit with that scam. All the time, but I, I i mean, I've never seen anybody actually go into the gas station to try to pull that before. What's what is your response when you get that? Fuck off. My, my mine is I'll put gas in your car. Yeah, <laughs> like you tell me, you tell me you want five dollars for gas, then my response is okay, bring your car up, I'll put five bucks worth of gas in your car. <laughs> and if they refuse, then all right, it's a scam. And if not, I've done it before, I did it for somebody, I put a gallon in his gas tank, like he had a can. Yeah, and I, I threw him a gallon because I was like, you, you really want it for gas? Here you go, here's some gas. Yeah, some some people are really intricate with it here in the city. Like they they totally do carry around gas cans, and you know they have all sorts of uh, th- like they make scamming people a full time job, which it still befuddles me to this day. Like if they put an ounce of that effort <laughs> into doing into a any, job search, right? <laughs> yeah, they <laughs> they probably be better off than than both of us put together. You know what I mean? Well, exactly. I'm I don't know if we should keep this on the record, but I want to tell you this. In our small town, I was riding with somebody who's never really left the small town. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I spent a couple of years in some bigger cities and came back. Mm-hmm. So we're pulling up to the local gas station in the small town. And with my buddy, I'm like, there's this guy milling about outside. I was like, this guy's going to scam us. He's going to ask us for money. Mm-hmm. And he's like, no, this is town X. This is not going to happen. It doesn't happen here. And I was like, watch. Watch what happens when we walk past him. So as soon as we walk past him, hey, man. Blah, blah, blah. Gives us the sob story about his cars like 15 miles away. He needs a train over here and money over here. And he's got this gift card that he wants to sell to us or some bullshit. <laughs> right, yeah. And uh, when we were leaving, he's just like, how did you know that guy was going to ask us for money? And I was just like, they have a way. Yeah. Body language. Totally. 
You yeah. can see it coming and, a mile away, especially when you have to deal with it all the time. <laughs> yeah, and to be able to to notice that at Jimmy's age, where he called him a grifter, I didn't know what a grifter was till I was like in my teens. Real, recognize real, homie. Real, recognize real. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Like slipping Jimmy, recognize slipping slipping epilepsy son guy. <laughs> you know what I mean? He he gets it because. Uh, you know, he understands, he understands how it works. You know, like people just, people kind of gravitate towards their own and can tell, you know what I mean? It's like gaydar, exactly. you know, like gay dudes, no gay dudes, like stuff like that. <laughs> Straight dudes don't. Right. <laughs> so, uh, Papa <laughs> McGill, I don't even think we got a name for him. Did we get a name for uh, Jimmy McGill's dad? I don't think we did, but that was a hell of a casting decision. Why? Oh, he looks—he looks like Bob Odenkirk. He sounds yeah, he like totally looks his. like he can fit in. I, I thought you were going somewhere yeah. else with that, but yeah, totally. Uh, no, I just I wanted to comment on it. Yeah, Papa McGill gives the dude five bucks, and he goes to get the spark plugs, and the dude uh, still hangs around, and he uh, wants to buy a carton of cools with the money that he was just given from the cash register. That's a strong move. That's a strong move. It's a strong move, but I kind of had a problem with it, I guess, because the balls on somebody to ask the dude's son to buy shit after he just gave him money. Like the dude's not going to tell his dad. Well, Hey man, well, that, that's why he said, you know what? Like, I, I guess I didn't think of it like that specifically, but, uh, you know, he does say, you know, in the world, you know, there's wolves and sheep, and you need to figure out which one you're going to be. Maybe that guy was just kind of taking some pleasure. And, uh, maybe he, he saw some respect for young Jimmy. Cause he was like, uh, you know, money first. Yeah, or maybe you know, you know I mean? real so recognize he, real as as you yeah. just said, real recognize real. He knew Jimmy wouldn't say nothing. He knew he's talking to one of his own, right? Kindred spirits, right? Right, right, absolutely. So uh, Jimmy sells them. <laughs> Jimmy sells them the two packs of cool, and then he pockets to eight dollars. Is this supposed to be like his first time dipping out of the till? Because uh, I don't know. He's you know he's got, the story was about how over the years he had stolen mm-hmm. thousands. Right, he's only got $13,200 left to go. <laughs> That's a good start. That's not even accurate math. Hold on, $13,992 to go. <laughs> well, that's if Chuck gave a problem. Chuck might have rounded. Yeah, yeah. either way, either way, it's a start. <laughs> you know, you right. got to start it's, somewhere, it's, it's a start. It's a slow burn, you know, it's going to take him a while to get there. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you gotta you gotta keep working towards the top. Opening starts. It's the foot massage opening, and there's something about that opening that just kind of creeps me out. I don't know if it's the rhythm and the motion of the foot massage thing, or my own insecurities, yes, exactly, or what. That's exactly the rhythm and the motion of the uh, foot massager. Right. Yeah. It's just something really odd about it. Like it's uh, like it's just uh, not really unsettling, but it's discomforting. I guess. <laughs> like there's something right, about but then it to me. The glass of scotch me brings me some cur- comfort, though. Mm-hmm. Indeed, indeed. That's because you're a raging alcoholic, Dave. <laughs> you don't even drink. <laughs> I have to like argue with you to get a beer. <laughs> uh, I had that argument last night, actually, about drinking a beer. <laughs> I had two friends, two female friends, were like, "Hey, come to the bar," and I was like, "You looking for an Easter Holy Trinity or what?" Oh, and yeah. she's like, "Yeah," and I said, "Too bad I don't go to bars and I don't drink." Yeah. The show's open. Uh, we see uh, Jimmy. Uh, doodling, which I didn't realize on the first, uh, viewing, but on the second viewing, I realized he was doodling the logos for him and Kim's potential law office. Yeah. I'm going to toot my own horn here and say that I noticed that pretty much right away. That it was an M and a W. Yeah. Like W and M. Cause I just went through some options and I was like, what, what Wexler McGee? Oh, he's, and he's putting her name first. Yeah. And he's developing a logo. 
and it, it got me thinking about the preview scene where she's like, what kind of lawyer do you want to be? So then it clicked. I was like, oh, he's going to proposition her to join him. The mm. shit where he eats, basically. Yeah. I like, um, I like, I, I, I saw that he was drawing the same thing. I guess I just never put two and two together. I think I just saw it as like, oh, he's doodling. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> he's wasting the time. I saw of it more as he was just kind of, uh, kind of aloof. You know what I mean? Like he's there and he's just kind of like wasting time. I didn't put two and two together. True. But. If you go back to the opening scene of the season, the black and white uh, Cinnabon where he's locked in the, with the trash, mm-hmm. his, doodle, his doodles always have a purpose, man. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. Good call. I did like the little touch. Uh, this is just a, a Brian notices something ridiculous in the background thing. Uh, he was sitting next to a pneumatic uh, mail chute. And a, uh, a letter dropped down the mail chute, and I like that. <laughs> and you noticed funny. that weird. I crap. actually rewinded that like three times. Just and if you paid close enough attention, I think once you notice it, you know how you'll like your other senses will pick up things. Uh-huh. You know, so like like once you notice the the mail going down the chute, you hear like the like <laughs> like cutting through the air. <laughs> just, That's just barely good sound design. Good yeah, sound just, design. Just barely in the background. In the background, he heads into the prosecutor's office, and uh, Mike and Jimmy deny uh, that the gun was Tuco's. Right, but he won't say whose. He just says, I will tell you that it's not his. Yeah, yeah. Who's, yeah. who's to say whose it is? It could be a, a bird might have dropped it. <laughs> right, yeah, a bird picked it up, dropped it, and Tuco picked it up. Who knows? Well, you know like- that, yeah, that the infamous uh, street gang, the birds, you know? <laughs> right, right. I like how the uh, you know the prosecutor was on to that real quick. Oh, yeah. Saw right through it. Yeah. Did he pay you off? Did he threaten you? Well, Mike knows. Mike knows they're going to notice. He, I think he knew how to act to arouse their suspicion, but keep him in the clear. Oh, so you think he was like giving them like hints of sorts? Yeah, but he, there was but he, nothing he could go like on record on. Right. But I thought he gave like the, the was it the DA, like a meaningful look. Mm-hmm. Or just the stone face, like not denying it, right, not right, right. It either, yeah, right, yeah. Like you know, like uh, the silence is deafening kind of deal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just another example of of Mike's knowledge of both sides. Mm-hmm. Uh, he works that to get where he needs to be. Yeah, I like how he threatened to make him uh, to make uh, uh, Mike available to the defense. Also. Like basically threatening to testify on their behalf against himself. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. They walk out of the office and they have a chat in front of the elevator. Uh, Jimmy talks about his experience in the first season where he broke, you know, Tuco broke the twins' legs. He had the uh, mm-hmm. pruning shears, I guess they would be, or like the the tin, the pruning snips on his uh, on his fingers. And he told Mike he was doing the right thing. Mike wants none of it. Yeah. He. It, it's he funny because he doesn't want this. He doesn't want this personal connection and that we know is inevitable in Breaking Bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he's just like whatever guy. Okay, cool. Ride the next elevator. <laughs> like, right. like and a, bill me. <laughs> yeah, bill me. <laughs> yeah, Jimmy tried to do him a solid and say, "Hey, this is on me." It's like, no, no, bill me. <laughs> but that's Mike being wise because he knows that you know Jimmy's all favor for favor. Mike doesn't want to owe anybody any favors. Yeah, that's he's a very principled man. We've talked about that before. Jimmy calls Kim, wants to know if she resigned. Uh, she's waiting for the offer letter, and it hasn't quite come yet, but she's waiting until Thursday. That's pretty ballsy that she was still in the bathroom of the law office, though. What? What? You know what I mean? Like, that seems like a pretty yeah. ballsy conversation to have at there. 
maybe she's at the point where she don't care. Yeah, like wanting to get caught. Like, fuck this. Yeah, she was. Uh, <laughs> she's waiting for the offer letter. It has not come yet. She anticipates that it will come Thursday. Uh, then we cut to Jimmy proctoring his resignation to Omar for Clifford. And uh, right. it's all going well. Jimmy's trying to be respectful, come up with an eloquent yet professional way, you know, make it sound heartfelt and like he appreciated the opportunity until Omar reminds uh, Jimmy that he's going to have a bonus to repay if he uh, quits before a year. Right. Well, I like first I like the thing where Omar stopped him. He's like, "You're not happy, right?" Like Jimmy, yeah. not, uh, he, he didn't stop to realize like how this is going to look to everybody else because he's just all blah, blah blah doing his business, and all of a sudden he's like, oh, "I'm not happy." Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, it's really out of the blue for Omar and Cliff and Aaron. Yeah, Omar was like his buddy, even when uh, even when Jimmy was being uh, imposed yeah. upon by Aaron. You know, Jimmy was uh, Omar was right there with the information that he needed. Yeah, I got a little feeling that Omar's relationship with Jimmy may continue, but that's yeah. a they'll come up later. Yeah, and then it, like, and then Jimmy had the most awkward backtrack ever. Like, oh, yeah. geez, I was just so stressed. <laughs> like, like, oh like, yeah, I got to come up with my bonus money that I already spent. Uh, well, yeah, blah 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 blah. <laughs> so, yeah, so, woo. Yeah, I don't know what I was thinking. It's kind of silly. So, uh, you know, how much do you think the bonus was? Mm, Fifty thousand. Fifty thousand. That's a good bonus, man. Yeah. I have no idea. Maybe yeah. it's a year's salary or something. <laughs> like I like how he said, "I'm not un- I'm not unhappy per se. I'm just not happy." <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it's uh, it's awesome how you can say the exact same thing two different ways, and then it can have like two way different implied meanings. <laughs> As, uh, lawyers are good with that stuff. Yeah, totally, totally, totally. Lawyers and scam uh, artists. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Jimmy uh, apparently takes off. He's heading to Albuquerque, and uh, this is your favorite part of the episode, I'm sure, where he happens across a rather sharply dressed, wacky-waving, inflatable, arm-flailing two-man, Dave. <laughs> I guess <laughs> just so happens to have his haircut and fashion sense. <laughs> right. Because, <laughs> you know, when I'm looking for motivation in the next direction of my life, it's straight to the used car store. And the one by me, I guess I would want to be a purple gorilla. Hey. <laughs> hey, you never know. You never know when inspiration is going to hit. And Okay, so <laughs> let's talk about this scene real quick because it, it went on for like five minutes or whatever it went on for him. But I think this is the first time that we saw any of the really like experimental editing in the show, right? Like it was the first time um, where, where it was kind of whimsical and... Like that kind of a montage, that kind of like Steven Soderbergh type montage. Yeah, just like really, really out there. And it's like distinctly different from the rest of the tone of the show. Like I remember yeah. Breaking Bad, they did a lot with like Jesse Pinkman's parties and, you know, some mm-hmm. other things they had going on. But like this was like so extremely different from any other tone in the show. Yeah, graphically, it, there's. Yeah, I, 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 I really enjoyed it. You know, it kept splitting the screen up and uh, some nice little touches like, you know, he's lining up his suits in the closet and i you like knew, when he you knew right away right what's that when he hung that the the rack of suits i knew he was going to unzip it and it was going to be pastels oh yeah like, totally you know, and, and what flare. i like about that is it was in perfect roy g biv oh was it <laughs> yeah <laughs> so if you look that. at it it was totally roy g biv from left from left to right and i was like oh nice nice touch yeah Pro- all the colors yeah, pretty fun red orange yellow green blue indigo violet it was <laughs> it was uh but I liked it. It was a very seventies 
I don't even know if I'm using this term correctly, but like postmodernism or something. Like it was like very 70s, but very like contemporary at the same time. Like I yeah, just really, I music. just really enjoyed how how they did that. I like like the sped up the sped up film of the of the arm flailing tube man, like and how it kind of bobbed well, to the music. Yeah, I would say they they edited it to where he was actually like in beat with the music, which is pretty awesome. Yeah, lot of lot of really good camera sequences this year. Like I really liked. Uh, um, Hamlin and Kim walking through HHM's office, you the know, tracking like, shot. Yeah, they, like that all one one shot. That you know, until he goes into the meeting with the the bankers. But like, mm-hmm. I really really enjoyed this whole sequence where it, I don't know. It was just it was so different from any other tone that's been shown in the show so far. Yeah, that I I just really enjoyed like the break and pace and the absolute. Uh, I, I guess just different feel of it. Yeah, I, I, it's, it's a, a sign of things to come. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Uh, Jimmy heads uh, to his first meeting with, with in his salmon suit uh, and getting WTF looks from everybody in the office. Completely unimpressed, but you got to hand it to the man. He owns it. <laughs> he owns the salmon suit. Aaron, of course, isn't impressed. No, well, she's not impressed by much. She's like yep. Shania Twain. Yeah, and then this kind of starts that whole. Uh, <laughs> I just got that. <laughs> I, did you just think? Are you cracking yourself up? Did you even? Yeah, I just thought of that. Was, was, that just came. That was yeah. stream of consciousness right there. <sighs> awesome. Oh, so, <laughs> so in between the wacky wave and inflatable arm flailing tube man and all the craziness going on. Now we get a nice little montage of Jimmy, uh, just going out of his way to be super obnoxious and, uh, seeing if he can get himself fired. As I say, uh, I did enjoy the juicer in the office. That was kind of funny because, <laughs> and I watched it twice and I'm pretty sure I got this correct, but he, he puts the, the vegetables in and the juicer shoot shoots the first guy, right? Splatters all over his suit. Uh huh. So, then he wipes that guy down and he turns to the other guy and he's like, oh my God, I got you with uh, my handkerchief. And he was like rubbing it from the handkerchief from the, he didn't even get, the other guy didn't even get anything on him. Oh, I didn't know But that. he was rubbing his hand. He's like, oh my God, I got you with my uh, handkerchief. And like, it was rubbing his shirt. <laughs> I never noticed that. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. And then he's uh, teaching Eduardo from Michigan uh, how to vacuum in Spanish. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Dude, I'm from Michigan. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So one note about that. Uh, I actually love to vacuum. It's like one of my favorite, like household <laughs> things to do. And, uh, my wife teases me because I don't do the, the push forward and pull back, you know, where it's just constant pushing and pulling back. I'll start at uh-huh. the far end and I will pull the vacuum towards me. So when he was explaining how the suction worked because you're working against the grain or you're working against uh-huh. the motion of the brushes, that's what I always thought. I'm like, oh, it's such a better way to vacuum, like so much suction. <laughs> ah, see, I always do the V, pull it back straight and push it up at an angle. But there's a line of pullbacks. Yeah. So I guess that is true. Yeah, I don't know. I just yeah. like the, I just like the uh, instant gratification of, of pulling it back and feeling it getting uh, yeah. all the gunk out of the carpet. Um one thing I I kind of didn't like about this whole montage was the uh uh people not flushing the toilet thing. Why is that, that is that a is that a soft spot for you? Sore spot? Well, I don't know. I I just uh I think I don't know. Like it, it's weird as as rude and crude as I can be. You know what I mean? Like for some reason it's off-putting to me whenever TV shows and such have like 
toilet humor in them. You know what I mean? Like, I just think that's like literal a, toilet humor. Yeah, it's just such like a cheap cop out. For some reason, I'll let South Park slide on it. But like Family Guy, every time they fart in an episode, I'm like, oh, so fucking lame. You know what I mean? Or like my, my daughter, she has an app on the iPad, you know, and it, like if you have a duck and, and you touch the duck, the duck goes whack and waddles, you know, and she's like, oh, that's funny. And then the next animal up is a pig and you touch the pig and it oinks. And then it like rolls in the mud and all oh, that's funny. But then it has a horse and you touch the horse, the horse whinnies and then shits all over. And I'm like, why is what? that? Even? Yeah, I swear to God. But like, or like, uh, you know, I'll watch like Elvin and the chipmunks movie, uh, with her. And, and there's a scene where Theodore from the chipmunks eats his own turd and they pass it off. Like that's supposed to be funny. Like, I don't know. I just, I just feel that like, like I said, as crass and such as I like to be, a lot of times that kind of humor turns me off, and I, I really feel that that's one thing about this this scene that was, uh, I, I don't know, it felt out of place for me for some reason. Like, it just didn't sit well with me personally. Like, I get that he's trying to be, like, obnoxious, but, like, mm-hmm. some something about, like, that particular instance, I, I don't feel really felt, or I don't really feel like it, it fit the, the feel. It's not as clever because it is offensive and it's you know leaving your poop to stink. Yeah. It's one of the worst things you can It's one of the worst things you can do in an office. Right, like I said, I but get it. It's so much below Jimmy's standards of messing with people. Well, I think even just the show, I don't know. It just seems like a super stupid like like Yeah. It, I it, I didn't really I I let it slide cuz I'm mostly like you. I don't like toilet humor. Uh I think fart jokes are stupid until I hear them. Right. right. <laughs> I don't know. I, I guess I, I'm just saying it just seemed like a really out of place joke. I guess yeah. it was, for me, it just seemed really out of place. Uh, but oddly enough, the bagpipes did not seem out of place at all. <laughs> I didn't. I did enjoy. I did enjoy the bagpipes and how he tries to correlate that with uh, Cliff playing the guitar. <laughs> like, oh, right. it's so much the same thing. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, you can hear that through the door. I didn't realize. <laughs> And <laughs> loudest instrument there is. Once again, I love the subtle things. Uh, I just love when he says, "All right, that's it." Into my office, and he sets the bagpipe on the uh, on the counter, and you can still hear the air escape. Yeah, and it's just like, mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty awesome. You know, because he's just uh, he's just trying to relieve stress. That's all. Just like Cliff. That's right. You know, he's just trying to express his musical endeavors in an attempt to unwind you, Lex. Yeah. And so he heads into Cliff's office and he gets fired and uh, it's, it's Cliff is one step ahead of him. He knows exactly that he's trying to get fired so he can keep the bonus. I like how he called this business suit an optical migraine. Yeah, <laughs> that was pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. I knew you'd like that because you're a big wordplay guy. I knew you'd like <laughs> yes. that. Um, but I thought this was like an incredibly real scene. Like I, I really like the scene. Cause this kind of brought all the goofiness with like, like the toilet humor and playing a bagpipe in a law office, you know, <laughs> you know, cause like I get it's supposed to be funny and exaggerant, you know, but like mm-hmm. this really brought it back to earth earth. earth. Uh, wow. Will earth. Smith from independence day just came by, like brought it back to earth. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but anyway, it, it brought it back to earth and uh, you know, it was a very humanizing moment when Cliff was just like, you know, how, how exactly did I mistreat you? Right. <laughs> you know, he just wants, yeah, like, why didn't you give this a chance? Like, what's going Yeah. Yeah, like, dude, like, what did I do to you, you know? I like how he even points out, he's like, you know, you have a co- we got you a Coca Bolo desk. Do you see anybody else in here with a desk like that? Right, <laughs> yeah, know? like, yeah, I'm treating you better than I'm treating myself. Yeah, yeah. It, w- it was nice so. of Jimmy to pay for the $7,000 desk, though. Yeah, right? 
<laughs> but yeah, I agree. I thought I thought that scene it was a good way to kind of bring it back to real, and uh, it played out the way that I wanted to because I really I wanted uh, Clifford to question. Like I said, like nobody else realizes Jimmy's not happy, mm-hmm. so it's kind of out of the blue, right? And uh, yeah, I thought it played out pretty well, and I'm really sad. I hope that's not the last we see of Ed Begley Jr. Yeah, <laughs> well, hopefully we can get him on the show. I, and you know what's weird is, uh, you know, uh, Cliff tells Jimmy, he says, all right, fine. You know, but basically, like, I don't know what's good is going to do for you to give me $7,000 at this point for the desk. But uh, take your desk and get out of my office. Right? right. And then you can see, like, the guilt or maybe, like, he's having second thoughts in a way of Jimmy's face. And he tries to pull it back. And I, I guess this, this shows just some of the narcissism of Jimmy because it's like, hey, for what it's worth. I think you're a nice guy. Like, what a dickhead. <laughs> no, see, I, I took that differently. Did um, you? I, t- I took it as the fact that he's dropping this bomb on everybody who thinks that, you know, that he should be sticking around. And and he's shocked, and he's wondering why. And he's just, like, cementing the fact that it's not personal, and it's not really about how you're treating me. It's just not where I want to be. Mm-hmm. So, that's, so he's trying to, like, relay that. Like, you know, for what it's worth, I think you're a nice guy. Like, it's not you, it's me. Right, yeah. Kind of a deal. And then Maine's response is, for what I was worth, I think you're an asshole. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) See, I, I again, went back to, like, maybe it's because I have children. Like, going back to the little kid thing where, like, you scold your kid for doing something several times. You know, Mm -hmm. like, like, hey, I told you not to, like, run with that pencil. Like, stop running with the pencil. And their response, they know they're in trouble. They know they messed up. But their response Mm -hmm. is they try to sugarcoat it, and they'll say something like, but I really want to cuddle with you. You know what I mean? And it's just like, <laughs> oh, come on. Like, yeah, like that, that's how I, maybe because I'm a parent, like, and you're not like that's That's the prism I see it through is, is like, yeah, Jimmy, uh-huh. like we said, he can't help himself, but he, he also, he's also not, you know, man, he's, he's very childlike in the fact that he, he can't carry the guilt. You know what I mean? So he, he brushes it off or tries to sugarcoat it. And he's just like, oh, well, you know, for what it's worth, I think you were a nice guy. Like he was doing that guy, like some sort of favor, or he was lessening the severity of what he just did because that whole scene, he's just causing disruption, probably, you know, through some means, probably costing them some sort of money, making everybody in there look like assholes. And then when he's called out on it, instead of just hanging his head and being like, okay, yeah, he he tries to sugarcoat it. He's like, well, for what it's worth, I think you're a nice guy. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You know what I I mean? I think we're kind of both saying the same thing. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I did like that. He did take uh, Aaron's uh, drink and throw it in the garbage, though. Yeah, not the recycling. (laughs) Not the recycling. (laughs) He finally quit for good. He actually did quit this time. Yeah, he did this time. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, There's no eight-hour layover back to work. He's he's out. Yep. (laughs) All right. uh, Kim's drafting the resignation letter. Jimmy goes into ninja mode, apparently. He sneaks in to see her. And I like how she took out I regret to inform you and replace it with it's my duty to reform you, which to me oh. is saying she doesn't regret it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she doesn't want to give the impression that she regrets it. She wants him to know, like, no, I'm out. Yeah, peace. <laughs> yeah. I that's have good, to tell you this. I have to tell you this. Yeah. You know, that's that's a good call because uh, I, I don't know why I had full intentions of pausing it right there and reading the entire letter. Me too, but I didn't. And I... I for some reason, didn't. I think I paused it, went up and got a drink, and then when I sat back down, my natural reaction was to unpause it, and then I just never went back to read the letter. But I was kind of hoping you? to find some funny spelling mistakes or something in there. 
But we'll, maybe yeah. we'll do that for like preview of the prior. We can go back and pause it or something. Yeah. Okay. I also noticed that Jimmy and Kim changed their first part. Uh, you know, retracted the first like because when Jimmy started dictating, oh. he rephrased. They both yeah. rephrased the beginning. Gotcha. Which, I don't know. It's just it's this whole like maybe they're kind of more similar than we think. Well, back to kindred spirits, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> like we talked about that at the very beginning of the episode. You know, uh, Jimmy, uh, you know, pitches them opening a practice together. And uh, real quick, we got to give it up to our Twitter listener, Winston Bruinham, who won a T-shirt last week. I haven't got it out to you yet, Winston. I will, I promise. But um, before this episode aired, he uh, he called it. He, he said on March twenty fifth, he said, "My guess, yeah." Is Kimmy and Jimmy will attempt to start a law firm together like Jimmy wanted to do in season one. Huh. Way to go, psychic. I didn't I didn't see it coming. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no. Winston Bruinham on Twitter calling it days ago. Good job, my friend. You know what? And even called it before we watched it. And I watched it like two days ago, and I was like, I could have <laughs> swore somebody said something about that on Twitter. And it happened to be Winston Bruinham. So great job, guy. Great job. Well, I think somebody else said something about how they'll go into business together and then he'll end up getting fired and she'll get, she'll die. (laughs) Dave. (laughs) Uh, So he offers to make her partner. Uh, He has a card made up and everything. He offers to pay off her uh, student loan debt with this bonus. And earlier she said she still has $15,000 in student loan debt. And he paid like $7,000 for the desk. So his bonus is at least up to like $22,000 right now. It's probably 100 Gs. Would that be typical for a lawyer? I'm, I'm not a lawyer. I'm, I'm trying to think of how, like, the only contracts that I ever hear any information about a sports, you know, through the sports talk. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm pretty sure bonuses can be around 5%, 10% of a salary. Oh. Um, or no, well, I'm sorry. They can be up to like, I'm pretty sure bonuses can be up to like. I was going to say, if it's $100,000 and it's 5% yeah. of his salary, he is fucking balling. I would have just worked out a year and never worked again. <laughs> <laughs> I meant to say like 10 to 25%, I think. Because I mean, his apartment, that's got to be a $5,000 a month apartment. Yeah. It's a, a $60,000 car. Well, and the company's paying for both yeah. of those things, though. Right. I mean, it's all, yeah. they're all leased, but that's several thousand a month in leases for him. Yeah, so that's I'm true. I'm pretty sure it's a substantial signing bonus. Yeah. And he says they can start, you know, it'll, they'll, uh, he also, uh, hints at how he'll have money to start it up too. Like it basically seed money. So yeah, at yeah. least 22,000 is accounted for with more to go. So he's, he's landed himself a pretty, pretty nice, uh, bill in the bathroom was right. He's a lucky bastard. He landed on, <laughs> he, he, you know, he landed, he X marks the spot and he landed on it. Well, he's going to uh, have some lower overheads for sure. Going back to the old nail salon. Yep. Kim has uh, some reservations. Ask him if he's going to play it straight or be colorful. And I did like that he tried to. He started off saying that he he could play it straight. That you know he'd be the lawyer that she wanted to be. But then he kind of just double back and says, "There's no point in doing this if I can't be colorful." Yeah, there's no uh, there's no point in BSing anymore. Like mm-hmm. it has to be real from now on. Right. And yeah. uh, and then. I like how, and then Kim's like, why do we have to go into business together? Because you already have me, just not as a partner. Right, yeah. 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 So it does seem as though their bond is strengthening, actually, through all of this. Yeah. You know, she asks him, why me? He's like, I want you. And she's like, you got me, just not as a law partner. And I was just like. Yeah, it was very, like, Jerry Maguire-ish. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that's so romantic. And then I started crying. <laughs> 
Mike and Stacy checking out a new house. Mike, yeah, this is, a- is that scene from the uh, the next week in Better Call Saul preview, mm-hmm. which I totally did not notice. I'm not the background noticing guy, as we can see through one and a half seasons of podcasting. Yeah, because that was a totally foreign building. Like I should have noticed that probably in the preview. They're standing in, like an empty house, you know? Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My, I mean, it, it. Okay, so this whole scene, like, yeah, Mike decides that he's gonna pay for it or give her the down payment and such, and and then it ends with them both agreeing to meet separately at the realtors. And the whole time, the way that they filmed it and the way it set up, I was like, okay, something's gonna happen. Something's going to happen. <laughs> like something in the back, especially the way, like when they were walking out of the house and the camera was like panning out and widening the angle. I was like, uh, is the car going to explode when she gets right. in it? Or is like somebody going to shoot her up or something? But no, nothing happened. Like this is the first, like it was literally just like, oh, hey, you want to buy a house? Yeah, cool. Okay. Meet you at the realtor. See you later. <laughs> like <laughs> the only notes, the only notes I took from that is that uh, Stacy actually looks happy for once. Yeah. She calls Mike Pop. Mm. She's been yeah. calling him Mike the whole show. Yeah, and she finally calls him Pop. And I oh, thought, Mike- you know what? Okay, so I I didn't I didn't put two and two together on that one. So okay, so now now the scene means now now I see where you're going with that. So like, it's like they finally made a connection, right? Like they finally, yeah. Okay, so okay, there, 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 there's the, the tensions that have been there between them are dissipating. Okay, good because. I mean, Okay, that makes more sense because the whole time I was sitting there watching, I'm like, "All right, something's gonna, ha- something's gotta happen." And then my wife, you know, she like came back from getting a glass of wine. She's like, "What happened?" I'm like, "They bought a house." <laughs> She's like, "That's it." I'm like, "Well, no, they decided to go to the realtor at the meetup. At the- they didn't even want to ride together to the realtor. They just wanted to well, meet that's up." That's the thing. There. <laughs> and, well, my note, my note was that Mike was being suspicious. Mike was acting kind of weird. Mm-hmm. Well, that's I why didn't... I kept thinking that just added to my thing where I was like, okay, something dramatic is going to happen, but no, not at all. No, I think, I guess Mike was just kind of scoping out, you know, the area, casing mm-hmm. the joint or whatever, seeing mm-hmm. where potential threats could come from, doing his cop thing. Mm-hmm. But yeah, other than that, it was like, it's just Mike, Mike's being weird. Mike's being weird. And then the scene ends. Yeah. I mean, but now I feel like I, I totally missed the whole thing where where they finally made a connection and made amends. And, yeah. Okay, that makes that that brings some weight, some heft to that scene. Other uh, because for a while, because uh, I watched it twice and didn't pick up on that, and I was like, I'm, uh, I, I'm like, I'm like scouring. I'm like, come on, not, I gotta be missing something. And then apparently, <laughs> I was missing the most obvious well, like, goddamn. Maybe we I was so focused on noticing. Week. Huh. I was saying, we were talking about conditioning last week, and like mm-hmm. you're conditioned to find something in every scene, and maybe some scenes just don't have cool little nuggets. Yeah. Good or point. something subtle, like she finally calls him Pop. That was so subtle, but yeah, good a point. big deal you, to me. Yeah. You were all over that. You you uh, totally changed my mind on that scene, so good call. Uh, Jimmy. And I thank you. It's uh, nighttime at the nail salon. Jimmy got his esteem back, guy. No more. That's uh, exactly what I wrote. I exactly what I wrote. Jimmy, Jimmy got his, got his esteem, esteem back. back. <laughs> Omar pulls up in the U-Haul, moves uh, Jimmy's Coco Bolo desk into the nail salon office. It barely fits. Nice. Nice touch. But it does fit. And that's the point. Mm-hmm. It fits. Nah, indeed. He I wonder tells, if he had the Coco Bolo desk in Breaking Bad. Mm, that's something good to look out. Maybe somebody yeah. should look that up and win a t-shirt. There you go. First person to... Tell you what, let's make this fun. First person to post a screenshot on our Twitter of Saul's desk and Breaking Bad wins a t-shirt. 
There it you doesn't go. always have to make sense. It can just be fun shit like that. Yeah. <laughs> so, exactly. all right. Post a picture. First person, post a picture, sells desk and Breaking Bad. I'll send you a t-shirt. Uh, he tells Omar, uh, I, I did like that he told uh, Omar that he found his old desk on the side of the road and just to leave it there. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> like, that's where he found it anyway. <laughs> Um, I think I wrote a note. I think he's going to hire Omar. You think so? I think, yeah, I'm thinking maybe Omar is going to help him out in his legal practice at some point. It seems Omar, we haven't really seen much of him, but he definitely appears to have some sort of affinity for Jimmy. Yeah. He just stole the word out of my mouth. I was going to say affinity. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) what, when they, when they were doing doc review and going over the dates, he was right there with the information Jimmy needed. You know, he seemed genuinely Mm -hmm. shocked. That Jimmy wasn't happy. He mentions he has a wife and kid at home. It's late at night and he's helping some guy like move a desk in a (laughs) U-Haul. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. That's not, I mean, he doesn't have to do that. I mean, I guess he's his assistant or whatever, but Mm -hmm. that seems above and beyond. Yeah. Uh, Jimmy unpacks his old lawyering stuff, brings out the crazy 1980s telephone. Uh, And of course, back the, uh, the British, terrible British accent of, oh, you've reached the office of Jim's mcgill esquire <laughs> that's pretty good pretty good impression thank you thank you thank you but then he decides against it i he, he erases it and he, he just uh goes back to jimmy mcgill he's still trying to find himself man did you think he was gonna say saul i kind of did yeah i kind of so did mean, I, he got he's got the suits <laughs> right you know what i mean he's and he's got, thinking he's thinking about what he's gonna say and he, i mean he ended up changing james to jimmy yeah but and that was a good was, setup for it too, because it was doing that slow, that slow like zoom, uh-huh. super slow zoom. Like that was going to be like a pivotal moment, but the pivotal moment was he he dropped the the British accent though. He spoke for himself, right? He was himself putting and, on the shell, and the his show. preferred and his preferred less than professional name, mm-hmm. or less than formal name. Uh, did he say Jimmy McGill? Yeah, because at first he said James M. McGill Esquire. That's right. And then when he changes it, he's just like, "This is law office Jimmy McGill." Gotcha. Gotcha. This next scene, again, I was like, what the hell? Where is this going to go? Yeah. And it was just Mike driving seemingly forever. Well, my brother and called it right away. He's like, dude, he's pulling into the sniper spot. Oh. I was like, what? Like, how, how did you call that? Well, he was in the army. Oh. <laughs> my brother, my brother was in the army, so he might know these things. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was, it was a, uh, it was a long drive, it, 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 but like, but those are some of my favorite moments of these types of shows is like, it's it's like the like where's this going kind of deal. I would say it gives you a little time to put something into your head. Yeah, and then and then you can be right or wrong, and then you get a reward from that if you're right. Yeah, so he's glaring where he met, uh, you know, Tio Salamanca and the twins and all that when he uh, pushed for his fifty thousand dollars. So you think he's gonna to, to uh, snipe out Tio? Yeah, but obviously that doesn't happen. But <laughs> none of the, none of you know, it's not like <laughs> well, uh, no, uh, well, somebody I think even my brother no somebody said maybe Mike makes Tio the way he is and puts him in the home. You know, maybe he is kind of an invalid. Yeah. He only speaks with a bell, so maybe he uh, sniper shot goes wrong or. But it probably won't be next week. No, in this show, it'll probably be like next season, like halfway through. They finally rectify that <laughs> that storyline. <laughs> <laughs> well, I said last week that the Kim and uh, the Schweikert and Coakley timeline wouldn't uh play out for a few weeks and then halfway through the next episode it's she quits yeah (laughs) you know she decides she's gonna quit all right you never know there's two remember the penultimate episode is the crazy one that's two episodes from now Mm. 
Kim's interview with uh, Schweikert and Coakley seems to be going well. They're getting to know her. They're impressed by her. You know, she's again asked, you know, uh, so you started off in the mailroom. Apparently that means a lot in lawyering circles. I guess it's showing that you're paying your dues and you're dedicated to the cause. Yeah, it's something I, I'm familiar with. Most yep. engineers, audio engineers start off as interns. Kim uh, reveals that she's from the Midwest, a tiny little town on the border of, I believe it was Missouri and Kansas. I took this explanation as an evasive answer, mm-hmm. which explains a little more of why she's so into Jimmy McGill, mm-hmm. because I think her past may be a little more like Jimmy McGill's than we think. Mm. I think she's hiding something. Mm. She's all into scamming. The scamming turns her on. Yeah. I, I, you know, that's a, great, it. that's a great point. You know, I, I guess I didn't think about it in those terms, but that's absolutely true. Because when she was saying that, I was like, well, so what? The town that we're from, like, I, you know, I always tell people they never heard of it, but then I say the name of the town, but she didn't. Exactly. I, I was asking my wife because my wife lived in Kansas for a while. <laughs> you know, and I was like, I'm like, what little town? Is there between Kansas and Missouri? And she's like, Kansas City. I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, good point. So I wonder if she was like from Kansas City, but she just didn't want to let them know that she was from Kansas City for whatever reason. Maybe. But I don't know. But she described she described a town very much like the town that you and I are from. Yeah, I think she's from our town. Don't we grow up she's with a girl called Slippin' yeah. Kimmy? <laughs> Slippin' Kimmy, yeah. <laughs> I asked her to prom. She turned me down. I was sad. Uh, so I can kind of relate, you know, cause, uh, you know, they ask her what she wants. And of course it's the most obvious, uh, most telegraphed answer more, you more. Know? but I, yeah. I could totally relate, relate to that. That was like, you know, I mean, you come from a small town and I've always been very vocal about how I've always, you know, like nothing against the people from my hometown, but like, I always thought there was more to it than that place. You know what I mean? Like I left at 17 and never looked back. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I I could totally relate to that. I'm starting to find Kim as as a pretty relatable character. Though I am still in that town, I'm trying to get out. Mm -hmm. And that is everything against the people that live in this town. (laughs) (laughs) So she wants more. I could totally relate to that. You know, uh, they say, you know, things are looking positive. We liked you more now than we did even before you came in. You should expect a call from us by uh, tomorrow. And then uh, she's saying her goodbye, and she calls Schweikert Howard. Yeah, a little Freudian slip there. Yeah, Definitely and it's Freudian also a callback. Slip. Remember uh, earlier in the episode, Jimmy said that uh, Schweikert is just Howard by another name. Yeah, yeah, I wrote that down, and we didn't say that earlier, but he totally said that, and um, I think that's, I don't know, I, I like that a lot. Yeah. So I totally uh, blew it. I, I just blew that, but I really I liked it. It's good. Yeah, totally. Uh, she heads up to the parking garage. She smokes cigarette, tearing up the business card. Uh, you know, in deep thought. And uh, once again, something about this episode, whoever directed this episode, I think their sole purpose was to make Brian think that more was going to happen than actually happens. <laughs> I thought she was going to jump off the roof, too. No, <laughs> that would have been the death. <laughs> no, I didn't think she was going to jump off the roof. But I the didn't way that, either. <laughs> the way that it was like panning, you know, and you could see down on the street, I thought something was going to happen down the street. Like, I don't know, something about this episode, the way that the camera pulled back from the house, the way that, you know what I mean? Like there was like two or three times this episode where I just kept thinking something more was going to happen. Like, you know what I mean? Like it was mm-hmm. like the perfect setup for some sort of crazy thing to happen, but it just never materialized, which, which is fine. Just like something about the cinematography 
of this episode like kept making me think like oh man there's gonna be like some crazy ridiculous off the wall circumstance that occurs like just at the right moment and like no, no she just lights a cigarette and tears her business card in half and thinks contemplatively <laughs> but that's okay Which i i took the business card thing is she's gonna go break up with jimmy because you yeah. they played it when she said she wants more she obviously acted well to reveal that that was a an epiphany or a moment of realization for her. Mm-hmm. And I thought, Oh, she's dumping Jimmy now. Yeah. Yeah. I can see where you're going with that. I, I wasn't, I, again, I didn't put two and two together. That's, that's as good as anything I would have, I would have thought totally. I, I, I didn't specifically think that, but I was like, where's she going with that? Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, well, that like, was, it, I was more on the where, but if mm-hmm. I were, had to, you know, press me to make a prediction, it was, she's going to go dump Jimmy. Yeah. Uh, Kim pulls up to Jimmy's nail salon, and <laughs> I like that Jimmy's in a uh, a meeting with the the film students, right? And they're like having an yeah, ongoing a conversation. Yeah, bring a dolly, and they <laughs> like he rattles off four different kind of dollies, and he's just like, "You're the nerd, <laughs> like, like, dude, go find." <laughs> um, so after after hanging out in the waiting room, Kim finally gets her meeting with Jimmy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, I I dug the uh, you got your car back. And he says, "Yeah, the kidney people wouldn't take it." Ah, yeah, that's is, so good. Well, this is around the time when one eight hundred cars for kids. Yeah, absolutely, was all over the place. It that still is, is. That was exactly where I was going to go with that. For you, for those of you who do not live in, well, shit, is cars for kid like a national thing? I think it's national, right? Okay, so for those of you that might not know, there's a charity that takes old boats, cars, property, land, uh, houses. And you could donate it to their charity. And I guess what they do is basically like salvage or resale and take the money and put it towards research for their particular charity. Right. right? And then you get a tax credit for your donation. Yeah, you get a tax credit. So it's like win-win and it's feel good. And it's good for everybody. But they have a very distinct jingle where it's like one eight seven seven cars for kids. K-A-R-S cars for kids. <laughs> and like that's the whole like That'll play like an entire car today. Right. (laughs) And they have like a rock and roll version of it and like a pop music version of it. And then there's like a version where it's like a little choir of little kids. And then there's like an old Mm -hmm. folk singing cars for kids. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, as somebody who listens to the radio a lot, I really, really enjoyed that little reference. So if, if you didn't get that, that's what it's about. I dare you to go on YouTube and look up the Cars for Kid jingle, and I dare you to try to get it out of your head for the next <laughs> five years, because it's, it's not happening. All 50 versions of it with the same Oh, melody. my God. Dude, <laughs> there's like a dance mix, and a, yeah, it, it's it's insane. Um, I, My personal favorite one is like where they have the little car, or they, they have like the little girl, and it's like, uh, like a rock and roll version. Yeah. Like where they're doing like the 80s, like, one, eight, seven, seven, Cars for Kids! Yeah. And like, like... <laughs> And she does the, it's like, she goes down, like, donate your car today. Like, goes up and down the scale. <laughs> That's kind of what I was making fun of when I was saying yeah. it. <laughs> it's like little Christina Aguilera. <laughs> yeah. Like, she's probably doing, like, the weird hand motions to, like, keep her keep her note, like, visualize her, her singing voice. So, uh, uh, <laughs> back on track. So, what Kim proposes is basically two solo practices under one roof. Much like a KFC Pizza Hut. The thing about KFC Pizza Hut is they're, they're actually owned by the same company. Right. But that's not the joke. We never got an answer to the uh, dip me in salt and lick my asshole. No, right? we, we did not. 
Okay, well, I'm still going to leave that open to whoever can tell me what's going on um, for the T-shirt. Mm-hmm. But the movie that that's in takes place in hell. Okay, and in and in hell they have KFC or they have Taco Bell Pizza Huts. Uh huh. But you can't get Pizza Hut. You can only have Taco Bell. <laughs> but the thing is, if I'm in hell, that's heaven for me because Pizza Hut is way worse than Taco Bell. Taco Bell is <laughs> right. one of my favorites. Right. Yeah. So yeah, fuck Pizza Hut. Yeah. If all I can have is Taco Bell, the Taco Bell Pizza Hut, I'm in heaven, baby. Taco Bell all day, and we talked about that on the Nothing Important podcast. Few things are tastier than uh, first of the day batch of tacos from Taco Bell at 10.30 in the morning. And few things are more awkward than eating in the parking lot while someone else is also eating Taco Bell in the parking lot. Yeah, yeah, right next door <laughs> to you, right? <laughs> Jimmy doesn't answer. Credits roll. Dave, what do you think about episode 207? It went in directions I didn't expect. If you obviously, if you listen to Pwop, you would know that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's really. I'm. I think that the Kim stuff's pretty significant. That she's willing to partner up with Jimmy. She said, "You have me," and she has a shady past. I think. Yeah, yeah. It kind of revealed a side of uh, Kim that we we've uh, never really seen before, right? Because she seemed well, pretty. Uh, I don't on the think ball. we just. Dis- I don't think we discussed it, but didn't she say something about how she knew if her life was heading in the same direct in that direction, like she had to change it? Well, you, but the direction that it was heading was that she was going to marry the guy who owned the gas station in the small town. That's right. That's what it yeah, was. Yeah, she she wanted more, man. You know, and apparently more equals Albuquerque. <laughs> which, which, uh, <laughs> well, if, unless it's me when you're traveling there on your way to audio school and you leave with less because I got yep. robbed. <laughs> yeah, some of these skills, your guitar. It's going to be awesome when uh, on some uh, on on a future episode when Jimmy heads back to that same pawn shop, your guitar is hanging up <laughs> on the wall. No, because my guitar was stolen in 2011. Mm-hmm. Oh well, yeah, but they <laughs> filmed my current day. I know you meant his background <laughs> well, of the scene. The time travel just blew my mind. Uh, overall. <laughs> Overall, I really, I really liked the episode. Even though, like, I, I felt like there were some scenes where it was setting up something more that kind of never came. And I got to be honest, I wasn't really a big fan of the whole like didn't flush the toilet joke. Like, I get it, I get it, but like, I don't know. There's something about it didn't seem like it naturally fit like the tone of the of the series. I don't know something about like that particular thing. I, I just feel like it didn't fit. I guess would be the well. Uh, and as far as your whole like scenes leading up to things, it's like we're guys. We're used to being, you know, and we're used to being and okay with being teased occasionally, as long as you follow through with it once in a while. <laughs> right, right. But uh, I really the, the highlight of the episode for me was definitely the uh, the montage with the whack and wave and inflatable arm flailing tube band. Yeah, and I was uh, I'm so impressed that they got him to line up to the beat like he was actually dancing. Maybe it's not that hard to do, but it was cool. Yeah, no, that was that was great. That was absolutely great. That was my favorite part of the episode so far. Yeah, some of the callbacks I like. They're they, they're so aware mm-hmm. of of things, and it, it seemed like there weren't maybe a little slower, some heavier, small, short, not as many heavier scenes. Wait, yeah, not as not as many scenes, but heavier. Right. And I really hope that uh, that's not the last we see of Ed Bagley Jr. Yeah, me either. Uh, what did you think of episode 207, guys? Go ahead. Feel free to tell me and Dave over Twitter at www.itsallgoodman.com or even over on our Facebook. As always, Dave and I are your friends of the couch. We like to hear what you think. First person to send us a pic or to tweet us a picture of Sal's desk in Breaking Bad, you'll win a Breaking Bad t-shirt. Let's make it like that. So there you go. One more thing, Brian. Um, Yo. 
first impressions, what's Jimmy's answer going to be? Uh, I think he's going to find a sneaky way out of it. <laughs> like, oh, look, a distraction, and then, like, leave or something. I think he's going to say yes. Really? I, in all honesty, yeah. I think if he does anything, I think what's going to happen is because I feel he felt a little rebuked on that. And so uh, I think what's going to happen is he's going to then turn it around on her and say he needs time to think about it, and that's going to break her heart. And it's going to further complicate things. Oh, okay. I like it. I that's like that we have different answers. Not We didn't even plan that, but I think he's going to say yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think he, I do like the being insulted because he, he, she doesn't want professionally to be associated with him. Right. But and I that, think he's going to say yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, I think he's going to, I think he's going to tell her that he's going to think about it and it's going to break her heart and cause even more tension in their relationship. So make sure that you check out a preview with a prior later this week. We have a couple, a uh, couple fun guests lined up that is going to chat with us make sure to tune in for that. Uh, once again, I won't say their names because whenever I do that, people tend not to make their call time, but just trust <laughs> me on this. It'll be, it'll be a couple of fun guests. Also, make sure to check out Dave and I on the Nothing Important Podcast at www.nothingimportantpodcast.com where we talk to people more famous than we'll ever be. And what's funny about that is when I plugged our other podcast on our last show, Dave, I started to say the website wrong, then corrected myself. But instead of saying www. I said www. <laughs> so I corrected myself. I noticed myself. that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, See what happened? It, 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 everybody at this point should know that it's three W's. <laughs> yeah. Just, if you don't know that it's not three W's. Yeah. Stay off the internet. You, Do us all yeah. a favor. Stay off the internet. So, <laughs> you don't even have to type the WWWs anymore. You just type it in from that point on. The web browser pick it up. Yeah. What an age it is to be alive. What an age it is to be alive. What an age it is to hang out with you guys where we can do the podcast. We totally appreciate it. Make sure to win those t-shirts. Keep spreading the word. Uh, please review us on iTunes. If you want to be super awesome and do us a super solid, uh, go ahead and review the Nothing Important podcast on iTunes. It all helps us. It helps us give us credibility. It helps us get people from the show. And it helps us get cool things like boxes of t-shirts to hand out to you. And we appreciate everything you do. Dave? Call us idiots, call us geniuses, whatever. Just call us. Wacky waving inflatable arm flailing tube man. Wacky waving inflatable arm flailing tube man. Wacky waving inflatable arm flailing tube.